This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isabel Hardman. So Boris Johnson's week didn't get off to a great start with his speech to the CBI. Since then, he's given a few more public appearances. Um, But James, one of the things that I think most of the papers are focusing on today is this idea that um, the Prime Minister is chaotic and this fits into a pattern. Can you talk us through what's going on? So it's now kind of three weeks on from word getting out that the government was going to try and uh, stay the Standards Committee verdict against Owen Paterson. That was something that was that was clearly a bad idea at the time. And it's turned out to be an even worse idea, perhaps, than even its critics thought at the time. It's created a massive backlash for the government. I think this week presented, you know, there were Tory MPs were kind of hoping that, that the ship would be steadied. Instead, the opposite happened. Boris Johnson went to the North East to give a speech to a CBI conference and... It was one of his speeches where everything went wrong that, that could go wrong. And he lost his place in the speech. And because he lost his place in the speech, the kind of rest of the speech is cast in, into, a, into a particularly unflattering light. And I think the part of the problem at the moment is Boris Johnson is trying to give a particular speech, almost regardless of the audience. It is very much uh, a classic Boris Johnson speech, which is, you know, half day telegraph column, half after dinner address, with lots of jokes. It just isn't always right to every audience. You know, you talk to people who went to the Centre for Policy Studies conference where he tried to give essentially that speech. People there liked it because it was a kind of end of conference speech. It was what they needed. But that was not what a bunch of businesses with serious concerns about what is happening in the UK economy, how to deal with various problems. They wanted something more structured, something more serious. And I think that that is the, the worry is, can Boris Johnson do more than one mode? And then I think the other worry is that at the moment, you know, the the tide is receding post COVID. You know, for example, normal politics I think is is back in a way that we haven't had before. And what is going on is I think MPs, commentators, and I think the public to an extent are looking around to see where things are. And one of the things that they are noticing is that the government has made some really big promises on how they're going to do this or do that. And those problems have not yet been fixed. So you have channel crossings where the government has repeatedly said it's going to stop the boats, turn the boats back. You've got record numbers coming over. Indeed, such a problem that Nigel Farage is now, and I'm not saying he is going to do it, but is now flirting with a political comeback. I think it is telling that he thinks there is an issue that he can use to kind of come back. Then you've got the £96 billion worth of rail improvements announced last week. You know, Normally, £96 billion quid's worth should buy you some good headlines, but instead the government got very bad headlines because the government had almost promised so many things but then it didn't happen. And then finally, and perhaps most seriously, you've got this, this social care issue where the government went a big step for Tory government of raising personal taxes to put more money into it. And I think that lot, lots of Tory MPs didn't like that. Those Tory MPs who went along with it thought, well, this is painful, but not fixing social care is more painful. It Now it turns out that social care, kind of in terms of the political problems, 
isn't fixed, right? So you have the amendment yesterday, which means that you know that means that families without very many assets will actually will will not be better off under this new system. Uh, you have Boris Johnson today changing his line in, in the cabinet readout from saying that no one will have to sell their house, to saying that no one will have to sell a house that they or their spouse is living in, uh, which is which is a different position. And I, and I think this is causing a, a question, which is you know why is no one saying to Boris Johnson? You can't give that speech to the CBI. They, they want something a bit more serious than that. And, you know, this isn't the place for the jokes about Mexican names or riffs on Peppa Big World. Save that for the CPS or the Tory winter ball. That, that's the right place for that. And Isabel, James mentioned that social care vote. How did the numbers go in the end? Because the government did have enough support, uh, but ultimately the majority was massively reduced. Yes, yeah, so the government's majority was cut from 77 to 26 last night. And you had a lot of, we well, had a good, a good number of rebels, but you also had a lot of Tories not turning up, whether that was abstaining because they didn't want to actively vote against, but did not want to support the policy. And that included people like uh, former Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt, who was definitely in the Commons because he'd spoken uh, a short while earlier, and others who seemed to have agreed with the whips that their cars were going to break down or that they you know, needed a tooth pulling out or something like that, that meant that they couldn't possibly be there to vote for or against this policy because they were being quite tricky. I think there's a number of ingredients in this latest Uh, revolt. One is the policy itself, uh, which is not as was described on the tin, uh, which has upset people. Another is the way in which it was snuck out. So it's again this sort of sense in Downing Street that that you can get away with things. And uh, it was added as an amendment, as new clause 49, uh, to the health and care bill, after the bill had gone through its detailed committee stages. So basically at the last stage where you can change a bill in the House of Commons before it moves up to the House of Lords. And you had members of the bill committee speaking in the Commons last night complaining that they had spent weeks going line by line through this legislation with scant reference to social care. And then the government tables its cap policy at the last minute. You also had uh, Mel Stride, who's the uh, Conservative chair of the Treasury Select Committee, making a similar complaint that actually this amendment was snuck out and, and MPs really didn't have the time to examine the detail of it. So that, that always upsets MPs, whatever's being proposed, because they feel like they're being sort of messed around, taken uh, for fools. Then you have Boris Johnson's own approach to this, uh, which according to some of the MPs I spoke to was to be not really in listening mode, I think is is fair to say, that that he basically has been declaring publicly, you know, we have fixed social care and he wasn't really prepared to to listen to those MPs who were saying, well, Prime Minister, no, you haven't. I think my constituents are going to be quite upset and there's a real political problem here. So you've got a party that's already feeling quite bruised, uh, some members feeling quite humiliated because... Uh, they've defended the government on one of its unpopular policies that it has had to U-turn on. They've, you know, had a kicking uh, in terms of MPs' outside interests, and they feel that this once-in-a-generation opportunity that the government has seized to reform social care uh, is being messed up once again. I mean, it does underline how difficult it is to reform social care, but really, the only people who were defending the policy last night in the Commons were those who are 
keen to have government jobs. I think it's fair to say that Matt Hancock, who gave a passionate speech in favour of the government, would probably like to be back in the government and I'm sure he wouldn't disagree with that if he were listening. Yeah maybe for a job actually being in charge of it um, which was his old job. James when it comes to the what's next for social care uh, we're now expecting there to be a rebellion in the Lords. Do you think the government might have to change action at all? I think this is where things get tricky which is I was talking to one senior Tory MP who was abstaining last night and was joking about how as Isabel said you know the whips were not overly trying to get him to return to the Palace of Westminster when he told them that he wasn't planning to be there and their view was this will come back but the Lords will the Lords will use this rebellion as a cue to to amend the bill and then send it back down to the Commons and then the question is whether the government accepts the Lords amendment or not. I think where things get tricky is you know, how much money really is there going around? I mean, this government so far has got has basically dealt with these problems by saying, OK, right, we'll spend the extra cash. You know, how much longer can they carry on doing that? And then I think the other question is, the, the, perhaps the bigger question about social care policy, which, 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 which um, you've both raised, is do we really think that this money that is currently meant to be going to the NHS to help deal with the wastefulness and then is meant to flick to social care towards the end of this parliament, do we really think it is going to flick to social care in the end? If it doesn't, how are you then going to fund the policy? And I think this is, this is, this is the big question here, which is, you know, the NHS now makes up over 40% of day-to-day government spending. Is it realistic to think that you're going to get this money back from the NHS once you've got the, the waiting list down? I, I am sceptical on whether that is going to happen or not. And that then raises the question of how do you, you... You essentially leaves the question of how to fix social care in inverted commas unresolved. And today we've had Boris Johnson conceding people may still have to sell homes to pay for social care and reform it as a result of this. It's about... I think that's often been a thing about the Prime Minister. A lot of people say, oh, well, you can't trust what he says or he overpromises and underdelivers." Do you think we're now heading to a point where that is getting much worse in the perception of his own party? Because one thing I've been struck by, I think, which was kickstarted by the Patterson row, is some of the newer intakes, so the 2019 intake. Yes, we can talk about how they're rebellious, they have their own brands, but I think they generally had a sense of Boris Johnson's judgment uh, he is the person who can help them win their seat, tends to be in the right place. But there seems to be more doubt now. Yes, because a lot of the judgments that the Prime Minister has taken over the past month or so have been politically damaging. And that's the difference, is that if you have a party that has a, a largely transactional relationship with its lead, uh, i.e. you know, a lot of Conservative MPs are not quite sure about Boris Johnson's brand of, of conservatism, I've often... Boris Johnson isn't quite sure about it either because he does, he basically adopts the winning position. But if you have a party that, that has the approach of, well, we, you know, he's maybe not my kind of Conservative, but my goodness, he wins us a majority, then when that majority looks under threat, the personal loyalty disappears quite quickly. And, and so this is, this is what has, has agitated Conservative MPs so much, is that Boris Johnson used to make things look quite effortless and as though he was enjoying politics and at the moment funnily enough he's got a lot of things on his plate I mean we you know we wouldn't have been talking about him losing his way in a speech as being so embarrassing at, at any other stage really in his premiership I think we would have either just said oh that you know that's just Boris this is the guy who got stuck on a zip line 
and made it a, a selling point, basically. Now he's so weighed down with the troubles of government that his you know his political zip line is, is snapping basically and i think that's that's where he is is that it's it, it it's the realities of governing it's the realities of confronting difficult issues and uh, he, he's not enjoying it as much Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. And while we have you here, do sign up to the Daily Evening Blend uh, penned by Isabel each day. Um, To sign up for all the latest analysis and news, go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Subscribe to The Spectator in our flash sale and you'll get 12 weeks of the magazine in print and online for just £12. Not only that, but we'll also send you a bottle of Johnny Walker Black Label Scotch Whiskey absolutely free. Hurry though, as this offer ends on Monday. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash sale.